Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, where the top five Tennessee volunteers continue their torrid streak through the SEC Dalton Connect, looking like the national player of the year in college basketball after Matt Green's Georgia Bulldogs experienced that firsthand in the Steg on Saturday afternoon. The balls barely escaped, sir. Never a doubt, never a doubt for uh-huh. the orange and white Mac Green. And that voice you hear right there, my good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Mac Green. Mac, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is uh, it is good to be back with you. Another another excellent showing for the, the Dogs basketball team uh, this week, too. Beat South Carolina uh, on the road. So, you know, Mike White's got that club playing. Uh, everything School HQ uh, in Athens, Georgia. I'm sorry. Is your is your baseball team top ten too? It's kicking off in a couple uh, weeks or no? We're your preseason rankings over here. We all know what Tennessee's going to do down the stretch. They're not going to win anything. Come on, they don't win championships in Knoxville, sir. They're pretty hey. good at everything. School. Pretty great at everything. School right now. Pretty great. Pretty great at everything. Seeing all, all right. the balls at the Polynesian Bowl. That'd be fun. Polynesian Bowl is a. The uniforms are cool. You get the cool visors. Get to hang out with other superstar kids getting ready to go to college. Uh, Tennessee's got a played? lot of kids. Uh-huh. Where is it played? Hawaii. That's that's the reason right there. I I, I figured, but I didn't. I wasn't 100%. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the reason right there to go to it. Right? Like, that would be a cool thing. That's like a bucket list thing. I would go to uh, watch that and cover that one time. Um, but, Matt Green, we are not talking all things Polynesian Bowl and all, all the just five-star and four-star Tennessee ball and talent that uh, are there, even a quarterback uh, headlining that one. Um, one that also you had Dylan Raiola, but no longer a dog. Uh, Jake Merklinger and Dylan Raiola. He's uh, a Nebraska Cornhusker, which is going to be very strange. Um, but Matt Green, before we get into our theme of the day, which is we will be doing our preseason predictions revisited, we are going to talk a little bit here. Caleb Burns expected to enter the portal. Uh, for the Alabama Crimson Tide, he uh, just he, I mean, was just so good as a true freshman. Um, and I said Caleb Burns. I meant Caleb Down. I was just about to say, did you, what did you say? Caleb Burns. And I think because Chase Burns, I'm thinking Tennessee baseball. Like we were just on Tennessee baseball, and I have like Caleb Burns on that Burns on the brain. Who's Caleb so Burns. There's Chase Burns. Oh, okay. The transfer from um, Tennessee, who Cody Burns, in. that uh, Auburn quarterback turned receiver, turned. I think he might be a coach now. Oh, you're talking about Cody Burns. Yeah, he was wide receiver coach for Tennessee, and then he went to the Saints. Yeah, he just go. got fired this week, I think. Actually. Ah, mm. shout out to Cody Burns. You'll, yeah. you'll 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 land on your feet. I think he'll be all right. I think Cody Burns will be all right. Um, Matt Green, we are going to talk about, uh, excuse me, Caleb Downs. 
um, here on this very program because he's obviously a Georgia kid, uh, played football at Mill Creek High School, uh, big time safety uh, in uh, 6A ball for the Hawks. And look, he will see what happens here. Uh, the expectation is that he winds up back uh, in his home state, the Peach State. But this would be huge. I mean, you get KJ Bolden uh, as a late flip. Um, Auburn thought they had him. He was obviously committed to Florida State. And he's a five-star, just superstar in waiting. You played Malachi Starks as a true freshman. He was, had that same kind of pedigree that Bolden had coming in. He starts, he flourishes. Now you kind of wonder, and you and I were texting about this a little bit, like, you just take the best player and you just you you just take Caleb Downs like he's just he's plug and play and Starks and Downs easily the best safety combo George has ever had. I saw some people like it's the best. <laughs> it's Greg Blue and um, who else was back there? Was it who was back there with Blue? Greg Blue and Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis. I mean, yeah. And I'm had... like, okay, y'all, this is a little bit more like, all right. Like that's I mean, that's in solid. fairness to that. Oh, three, oh, four, oh, five. Georgia had Sean Jones, Thomas Davis, and then Greg Blue were all first team All Americans three years in a row at safety. So that was, that is the best since then uh, mm. that they've had. But yeah, I mean, you look at what Kirby Smarts had. I mean, just every year since he's been at Georgia, like if it's J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount, like, you know, those aren't superstars in the NFL or anything, but J.R. Reed was an All American. Richard LeCount was a really good player at Georgia. Lewis Seen being a first round pick. Javon Bullard, a potential first-round pick in, in this year's draft. So, yeah, I mean, getting Caleb Downs would just be an absolute just, I don't know, bombshell uh, for the rest of the SEC. Like, Ohio State was the runner-up uh, when he was coming out of high school. So they're definitely – it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to Georgia, but it's like you just – you look at – like, this guy wanted to play for Nick Saban, right? You know Georgia was in the conversation. He, he went to high school – 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes from Athens. I think there was uh, the, so, so supposedly the reason he didn't go to Georgia out of high school was because that Georgia didn't offer Josh Downs, his older brother that ended up at North Carolina. And, you know, that still happened. So that history, if there's any animosity there or whatever there, maybe it's gone. But um, I think it would just be massive. Like, yeah, with KJ Bolden, you can worry about, in, in in 2024, you can't worry about uh, anyone hitting the transfer portal. Like it's just it's gonna happen. You gotta worry about getting the best players you can get. And if it's crazy to think about two, like two, three, three or four weeks ago, Georgia, th these we had these number one safeties in the country three years in a row, all from this 20 minute radius of of northern Gwinnett and uh, Jackson County, and they look. Four weeks ago, it looked like all three of them were going to go to different schools. So if Caleb Downs end up ends up at Georgia, and all three of those are on Georgia's roster with a couple years of eligibility left, um, it, it's just it's unreal what that's going to do for for Georgia's defense next year at a position that was uh, of need on Georgia's defense, which there aren't too many of year to year. No, and I mean it's it's huge, it's scary, it's just um, the rich get richer here, but it it. It's a bigger question, though, and I saw the on three host, um, Josh. Is it Newenberg? Um, do you know what I'm talking about on the on three show? Um, he does a lot of recruiting. That sounds right, Josh Newberg. Yes, he had a good tweet about just kind of look. No one's like sobbing for the state of Alabama football. Like they've had, uh, you're not gonna believe this, Matt Green. They've had a really good run at uh, the University of Alabama over the last uh, nearly two decades. But look. 
there that can be true and you can also look at what's happening here and say this kind of sucks for Alabama this is this is not really fair and this is his exact tweet and I agree with this the transfer portal needs to be fixed this is uh, what he tweeted this situation with Alabama will cause change Bama is penalized because they made the playoffs and Nick Saban retired afterward the last team to make a change gets shafted in the portal there's simply no players left in the portal to recruit. Top available players are the ones hitting the portal from Alabama. If Saban retired on December 1st, this wouldn't be happening. Needs to be fixed. He's not wrong because Bama's losing dudes that they cannot replace this year. Eventually, yeah, they'll replace him on the road. They'll replace him on the trail, this, that, and the other. Like Kane Walmack is a good hire pulling him from South Alabama. A lot of good ties. Obviously, they both were coordinators at Indiana together. Good history. Brings in the Buffalo coach. Like, bringing in two sitting G5 coaches uh, to join as assistants on your staff. Good pulls from Kalen DeBoer. Like, those are those are solid. He's made solid hires uh, to this point in Alabama. Here's the problem. None of them have relationships with Caleb Downs. And this is... It's just hard to keep these guys. And Caden Proctor, obviously, hitting the portal. It seems like he's going to wind up back in his home state in Iowa. Seems like that's where the tea leaves are, which you and I mean, it was expected that he was going to be there anyway out of high school. And he kind of shocked a lot of people by ending up at Alabama. But um, look, it's the nature of the beast. But I also think that is a fair gripe for Alabama fans to have right now, which is, look, we had a playoff run. Our coach retired at the end of this. Now we're getting picked apart because it's open season for the next 30 days. The portal's closed. And we can't replace these five-star and four-star guys who are walking out of the building, Isaiah Bond and Caleb Downs and Proctor and this, that, and the other. They're, the guys aren't there. So, and we know what the portal does in May where those guys don't, you need the spring. You need to learn the offense. You need the time at Alabama over these next four to five months to get ready for the fall. Like spring, late spring transfers do not make impacts, generally speaking, on uh, their, in their first year at their respective schools. That's why you see so many high school kids enrolling early because they need to be on campus. They need to be in the weight room. They need to be on the meal plan. They need to be around their teammates. They need to be learning the playbook that Bama is kind of screwed in this way. And it's, they are the ones right now who are screwed, but this is going to keep happening. I think um, with coaching movement, Michigan is about to experience this because it seems like the writing is on the wall that Harbaugh, either it's the chargers or it's the Falcons. It seems like, He's gone like he's interviewing a lot and it just it seems like he's the next domino to fall and Michigan will be in this boat where they will not have an opportunity to really replace the guys that they're going to get picked apart over their 30 day window when their coach leaves. I mean, I think this is fair, Matt Green, when you say that like Bama is getting screwed here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a, we sound like a broken record when we talk about it, but it's just it's all the calendar. It, it's mm. all about how how just messed up this college football calendar is, because you're right. Like Alabama is in a much better position if they lose the SEC championship and Nick Saban decides on December 9th that he's mm. done coaching in college football, like his career is over, you know. So the fact that they're they did get to the college football playoff, they did, you know, come close to winning a national championship then the portal closes. And then now they're just SOL. Everyone else can, it's open season on their roster, like you said, and there's nothing they can do. Because obviously Alabama has taken a step back without Nick Saban. It's no longer as attractive as a destination, or at least a lot of other destinations are on par with it, 
when Nick Saban is not the guy uh, running the show. So, but with that said, there's obviously a bunch of guys around college football that, oh, there's spots open at Alabama. Yeah, I'll sign up today. Like I, I, I would rather be at Alabama than my current uh, spot. And that's not uh, an option for Alabama. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is other than like we've said over and over on here, like the, the calendar needs to be changed up and, and signing day needs to be in, in March after the college season's over, after the NFL season's over. Um, but that just, that brings in more complications. Uh, or, at the same time, we know even when we had the the signing day only in February, guys could still enroll early and, and be a part of spring practice. So you can still have some hay in the barn even before that that March signing day. But it's just the fact that, I mean, at, if you signed on to Alabama in the 2024 class, you were signing to Nick Saban. And three weeks later, that's no longer the case. And you're not wrong as a player to – to you know now want to go somewhere else i it sucks for them man it just does but look you've had a lot of success it's the nature of the beast but bama won't be the last team this happens to it's just they're the team right now this has happened to either Mm -hmm. like i mean you you remember when jeremy pruitt uh was fired players and what that did to their roster yeah exactly like we've seen the transition that like billy napier has had to deal with like it's just at LSU with Brian Kelly, like you've seen so many teams lose a bunch of guys and you've seen Colorado over turn over a roster uh, in one season. So this is not the first team this is going to happen. Like Colorado is more by choice, uh, <laughs> but this is not the first or the last time it's going to happen. And that's why, you know, it, it's, it sucks that like, you know, you kind of need that, that, person of privilege for something to happen to for everyone to really take notice of the problem. Uh, But maybe that's what it takes. Alabama just, we haven't, maybe we haven't seen the level of just, you know, deterioration of a roster just so quickly. And maybe if Alabama is going seven and five next year, it's like, okay, this might be a problem that, you know, you will lose all continuity uh, when you get a new staff, but I don't know. There there's, there's some solution out there. They they got to do something, but um, you know, this is not an Alabama problem by any means. No, and uh, we'll see what happens with Downs if he ultimately ends up at Georgia. But man, that is uh, Malachi Starks and uh, Caleb Downs in the in the back end for Georgia. That's yeah, that's that's two scary. potential top ten picks, uh, and and with Caleb Downs having two years of eligibility left too, like that's just. He's, he's immediately the number one player in the transfer portal. Like that's just uh that's big time. And then Isaiah Bond, we didn't even talk about going to going to Texas. He's fine. Too. It's like but I'm just saying, speaking to you know what what Alabama is losing on their roster, it's not not a lot of proven talent coming back right now. No. Um Matt Green, preseason predictions here. What, uh, what, how do you want to do this? This is, uh, your bread and butter, um, after another dub season for me in terms of the win losses <laughs> and, uh, picking games, running away with that one. What feels like weeks ago, sir, um, kind of forgotten about, uh, our preseason predictions, but now that the, uh, college football 2023, 2024 season has concluded, uh, we're doing different themes on this very show each week to highlight uh, different things over the college football season. And this uh, episode, we're going to be talking about 
uh, I guess, revisiting uh, what we did before the year in terms of our preseason predictions. So uh, how did it unfold for us, sir? All right, sir. So yeah, we're going to have to attack this multiple different ways, but I'll start it off with our uh, with our over-under win totals. So uh, we're not going to go through every single over-under win total that we we picked, but um, so we made our preseason predictions of, of all the over-unders uh, on the seat. It's kind of amazing. We did amazingly similar in, in this. So overall, uh, on, as far as our overall over under win totals in the uh, of Power Five conferences, I was thirty one and thirty seven on the season. You were thirty two and thirty six. Mm. So uh, we our Pac twelve predictions were exactly the same. So that that wasn't our best uh, our best content, you know. With our every we agreed with every single over under uh, prediction, but in the Pac twelve. We both predicted Oregon to win the Pac-12, and we were right that Oregon got to the Pac-12 championship. Uh, you had Utah losing to Oregon in the Pac-12 mm. championship. I had USC, so uh, we were both wrong there. Washington Huskies got it done. Um, in the Big 12, we both predicted Texas winning the conference. Um, I had Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. You had Texas Tech, um, so we both missed that. Uh, with, with the conference, but we had the, we got the conference champion, so that that's the best one we did. Uh, Clemson really let us down in the ACC. Uh, we both had Clemson winning the ACC. I had North Carolina in the big in the ACC championship. You had Miami. Both of us, both of those let us down this year. In the Big Ten, sir, your Big Ten preseason champion, Michigan Wolverines, and in the Big Ten championship. Chip, you had him beating the Iowa Hawkeyes. So, you know, a round of applause right there for you. I had the Penn State Nittany Lions, of course, letting me down. And the Wisconsin Badgers also did not get it done. I think they were they were right there at the end, though, right? Did they finish second? Um, in the I'm not even sure. No, no, it doesn't matter. Iowa locked that thing up from the begin from the get-go. Never a doubt here in the Thomas household. And then um, we'll definitely get into this as far as some of your bold predictions on the season. Um, probably your worst pick of the season, Texas A&M winning the SEC. Uh, you did have correctly picked Georgia losing the SEC championship. Um, I had Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship, but I incorrectly had the dogs winning the SEC. So uh, anything stand out right there with our, with our conference predictions that uh, you want to – you want to touch on yeah uh the quarterbacks getting injured screwed mine in some of these so like michigan iowa never a doubt that's chat like hey nailed that one utah though well it's a what if cam rising never played the whole year we never day saw to cam day. rising day to day for the entire season. yes the man was never seen nor heard he was a he was a milford man to the end of uh to the end of the year <laughs> just neither seen nor heard every sideline uh for the utah utes but that one hurts. That one stings. But also, Connor Wegman, man, he was dealing. Look, look, Jimbo got fired. It, it, the season got away from them. But the Petrino hire looked okay. Like, it wasn't like it, there wasn't, they weren't turning a corner there a little bit. And it's just going to be a what if. Like, I look, I think Mike Elko is a good hire. I think Texas A&M is on the right path. But look, I, I don't know. There's going to be a what if, I'm sure, in Jimbo's uh, side of things where there was a lot of talent on that team. And if Connor doesn't get hurt because he was balling a little bit, I don't know. I don't know what their season looks like. They, I don't think they would have won the SEC, but I do think uh, he was on his way to a pretty, pretty electric um, 
season in uh, in College Station. So that's kind of a interesting what if for me. It's just look, I felt pretty good about Georgia not repeating because it's just hard and it's just really hard. And Georgia found that out. It's just this margin for error is so slim. Hey, in this they conference. did repeat. They didn't three p. Yeah, they didn't three p. That's what I'm saying. Like to do it three times is just. It, it, there's a reason it hasn't been done um, since Minnesota a uh, hundred years ago. And look, maybe going back, I was like, I didn't buy the LSU and I just went with my gut of like talent and Wegman, it, the Petrino boomer bust factor, but Bama was inevitable with Saban. And of course he ended uh, his SEC Bama coaching career with a SEC title, maybe his hardest one, um, given all the different circumstances uh, throughout the year. But I don't think anyone who saw that Alabama team struggle uh, at USF um, would be the team that ended up representing the SEC West in the uh, in the title game. But you think uh, kudos to them. you think Saban knew this 2024 team was going to be worse than 2023? No. That's why he hung it up. No, I don't think so. No, I don't know. This is a, I think this was, this is a tough coaching job this year. Like they had to scratch and claw their way. Um, uh, I would say Bama it. would have been figured like before the portal and everything that got uh, destroyed. I don't know. I think Bama would have been better um, in 2024 than last year. Um, Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll never um, know. Well, yeah, we'll never know. Um, So then our, uh, our college football playoff predictions, sir. Mm. Um. Between the two of us, we got one of these correct. So uh, I'll start with you. Uh, you had Tennessee, Clemson, Ohio State, and Texas A&M with uh, A&M beating Ohio State in the national championship game. So you were a solid 0 for 4 there. I'm not sure. Did any of those teams make their conference championship? Did Clemson? Who played, with, no. who played in the AC championship? Florida State, Louisville. Yeah, so not not your best work. My um myself on the other hand, Penn State incorrect. Texas, the mm. one I got right, and then I had Georgia beating Clemson in the national championship. Uh, so one for four on my end. Mm. Um, our Heisman predictions, sir. I had Drake May of North Carolina winning the Heisman, Caleb Williams, Brock Bowers, Quinn, U- Quinn Ewers as the other finalist. Uh, 0 for 4 uh, right there. You had Connor Wegman on your on your all Texas A&M uh, predictions. I bought a lot of Texas A&M <laughs> offseason stock. I went boomer bust. It was either going to pay off in a major way and I was going to look like a genius or it was going to look it was going to make me look silly. And unfortunately, it made me look silly. <laughs> Uh, Carson Beck, which was a wrong answer, which I feel like he could have been a Heisman finalist. And honestly, if George wins the SC championship, he probably is a Heisman finalist. Um, Caleb Williams on yours, and then Bo Nix. So you did get one of of the Heisman finalists. And then we got four bold predictions here, sir. How how do you want to do this? You want to? So I'm gonna we're gonna rank these, okay? Like like a, a 10 if it's a perfect prediction uh 10 if it's a terrible prediction we're gonna give it a one so uh let's start off with my first prediction penn state winning the big 10 making the college ball playoff what do you give this prediction sir it's obviously wrong but what do you give the prediction you know and like it's chances to be right oh 10 
Oh, well, it's obviously you can't get it a 10 because it was obviously wrong. Oh, like, you meant, oh wait, I got it backwards. One. Sorry. There was no chance of that ever happening. Oh, like, see, what are we doing? How I, many more years of this do you have to see? Like, unless Michigan and Ohio State go on simultaneous po- probation, like that was never happening, Matt Green. I don't see, know how I many more like, years you have to see of this. I stand by this prediction. You just love you want like, to, you hate just picking Michigan. It's so boring. It's like the whole boring factor. You just no, hate picking it, a, it over and over again. I give it a five because the prediction, and I know Michigan just won the national championship. They were a great team, but I don't put them up there with some of the national champion ch- champions we've seen in recent oh, this years. This is such a Georgia Michigan fan thing fans to do. can can throw oh, shade if they want. But Michigan was a beatable team. Like, the way they were designed. Like, they literally didn't lose a game. I know, but they were a beatable team. Like, you saw Penn State had zero offense, and mm. they were in that game for four quarters. Like, I think this prediction was was built on Ohio State and Michigan. I don't think – like I think you can argue that the 2022 Michigan team was better than the 2023 Michigan team. They just – happened to lose to TCU in kind of a freak game. Like I think the defense was a lot better this year. I mean, maybe. The schedule was just so absurd for like 10 weeks. It was just the easiest thing you've ever seen. So the Penn State prediction, I think a lot of it was about Michigan and Ohio State not being dominant, which I think was the case. I don't think those were like dominant great teams. Michigan, you could argue, was. Ohio State clearly was. And this was a down year for Ohio State. So with that you know, atmosphere, that climate, I felt like this was Penn State's year. And so I still give the prediction like a four or a five because I think Ohio State and Michigan was a lot of what it was based on. But obviously Penn State, they didn't get it done this year. And I'm not sure James Franklin's ever breaking through. But I'll tease a little 12-team playoff conversation um, for for our future pod that uh, Penn State might be in better position than, than some people realize oh wow he's just he can't quit him he, he so can't. let me let me go to your first prediction i give it a four it's, it's a failing grade still okay. but um your first prediction alabama going eight and four and nick saban retiring i'm giving this prediction a five because i'm with you that i thought alabama was gonna take a step back but eight and four was obviously way off they went 11 and one won the sec hold on not but you were, you were 50% correct, and Al- Nick Saban did actually retire, so I'll give you some credit for that. Hold on. I wasn't that far off. We're ta- You're over here talking like Michigan was like a more beatable team than their mi- undefeated record shows. Bama flirted with 8-4 and four this year, folks. Like, Bama very much flirted with 8-4. and four. This was a rough 2023 football season for Alabama. I need to remind the good folks, you beat Auburn on a prayer here so that would have been loss number one let's say you don't get the prayer in jordan hair what is that two losses right there that's a second loss yeah two losses right all right number three you're down multiple scores at home at the half you needed a 28 nothing perfect second half to beat tennessee at home a very very painfully average tennessee team this year eight and four nine and three at their absolute they were controlling that game by like the fourth quarter hold on that's fine it took it you had to be perfect it was a ridiculous third quarter for sure yes tennessee was tennessee was dominating for two quarters you uh beat arkansas by three at home a bad arkansas team barely scraped by don't know what happened there you lose obviously you get stomped at home by texas 
you then barely beat A&M on the road. 26-20 as well. Another six-point win. There's a lot of 50-50 games on this Bama calendar this past fall. They were beatable. Bama was in a lot of dogfights this fall. It wasn't like... Do you know what was also a dogfight? What? Was the Rose Bowl, which they were winning until like a, a minute left in the fourth quarter when Michigan took the lead. Yeah. Or Michigan tied it and went to overtime. Mm-hmm. Like, so they, with all of those flaws, this team still was, you know, one defensive stop away from getting to the They just didn't feel like an 11 and one Bama team of old. So when people were like, they turned no, it on and this, that, and the other, they just never felt like an 11 and one team. And eight four is probably too much, but it felt like a nine and three, 10 and two type situation. They did not you know, feel like the Bama of old. You've convinced me to turn my five into a six. I'll okay. give you, I'll give you just over 50% because they- Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Nick Saban retiring. Uh, I'm with you That was a good call. But this team did almost win the national championship. Like, let's not, like, they were this... They were this close from actually playing for the title and on a neutral field, like they could have beaten Washington. Like, yeah. So it's it, it's hard to say eight and four was, was close to being right, but yeah, they played a bunch of dog fights. I don't think Saban could handle it. I think he said as much. He couldn't handle another season like this. All right, where All right. At, uh, where are we going I, next? Uh, my second pick, uh, bold prediction: uh, Brock Bowers Heisman finalist, and. This one, you know, I'm going to give this prediction a five um, because Brock Bowers getting hurt and missing a couple games really threw this off because I think you saw he had the Heisman moment early in the season with the Auburn game where he just kind of took over in the fourth quarter and had the game-winning touchdown. So 
half of the half of the battle in being a Heisman finalist is the narrative, right? It's just like the story, you know, Georgia going for their third straight national championship, Brock Bowers trying to win a third straight national championship. So, you know, obviously if they win the SEC and he doesn't get miss those like two or three games there, um, I obviously there's a there's a there's a chance he is a Heisman finalist. So I, I feel like we didn't have all the information. So I stand by the prediction. I think it still could have happened if there was a tight end that could be a Heisman finalist. It was going to be him. And like Carson Beck, like Georgia threw for like the third, fourth most passing yards in the country this year. Like the yards were there to be had, but you know, with, with Bowers missing a few games, that really that really hurt his case. And I and obviously he had to have the team success. He had to have the undefeated record. Uh, next to his name like Mar- I mean our Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't and honestly with the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. was a finalist with like not a great year like he had a great year but it was like it wasn't a Heisman year right like he wasn't like having these moments of like oh you remember that catch you made this game oh he did this that game it was like Ohio State had such kind of a uh kind of underwhelming season that it was just he had the name recognition and you knew how good he was and so it's kind of like I feel like that's why he was ultimately a Heisman finalist. And Bowers, with you know, without missing those games and Georgia potentially winning in the SEC, like he could have been right there. So well, I, I give it, it was more because it's everything is narrative based with that, and it's already the odds are stacked against tight ends making it to that point anyway. But what Bowers needed was disrespect to Carson Beck, right? Like they had Carson Beck needed to be like, they didn't want to give Stetson Bennett the Heisman last year. They didn't want to get Stetson Bennett to New York. Like Stetson, it didn't matter what he did. It was just the narrative surrounding Stetson. I, was, was, I think they did. I think it was like his stats weren't there. And then he had like four or five touchdowns in the SC championship. And I was like, okay, his stats look a little bit better. Let's get him in there. Well, right. But I'm saying that's, that was at the end. That's at the tail end of Georgia season in 2022. Yeah. We saw early on where, NFL mock types, mock draft types were like, oh, Carson's an NFL quarterback. Carson's a first round pick. Carson could slide his way into uh, the top 10. Oh, Carson might be the number one quarterback taken if he enters the draft. Like Carson. But as a skill player, you do need a good quarterback play to have. No, no, no. I don't disagree. But I'm saying when he's on your team and you're a tight end, it just it 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 just kind of uh, convolutes your case because the attention will always go back to the quarterback and Beck stole a lot of shine from, I think Bowers and company this year, because I think it, when we look back in this 2023 Georgia team offensively, the, I mean, you could speak more to this than me, but I think the lasting memory will be Carson Beck was for real. Carson Beck sat and waste and threw darts everywhere. And Carson Beck looks like the best NFL quarterback prospect Georgia's had since Stafford. So I think that is what you'll remember most, not Brock Bowers. And part of that was the injury and stuff, but like it just felt like to me Bowers had more more juice to the Heisman 2 years ago than this year and a lot of that was because Carson Beck just looked like a prototypical Heisman quarterback and also lived up to the hype in the preseason. I I mean I think that's fair, but I think I think the injury play is a, is a big reason why you feel that way cuz because the Florida game, there was some juice around the Florida game. Like, what is what does Georgia do uh, without Brock Bowers? And for Carson Beck to kind of not miss a beat, that kind of 
not that it penalizes Bowers, but it kind of like takes away from maybe how valuable he is where it's like, oh, this offense is humming without Brock Bowers. So um, maybe he's great, but they look pretty great without him too. Yeah. Um, what's the next one, Matt Green? All right, your second bold prediction. The Pac-12 will not make the CFP. Mm. This was incorrect, sir. I'm giving it a, I'm giving it a two because mm. not only was the Pac-12 championship one of the only uh, conference championships that was legitimately winner is in, regardless of who wins the championship. A lot of people thought this was the best conference in college football this year. And we got multiple contenders from this conference. So I'm giving it a two, sir. Terrible, terrible, terrible prediction. No, they canalized themselves for years. And part of the reason that I said that they wouldn't was because that it was cloudy at the top, like Washington, Oregon and Utah and USC were going to beat each other. And it was just like we've seen this over and over and over again. And look, they they did not this year. Washington stayed perfect. And I think even if Washington loses the Pac-12 title game, I think Oregon would have been in. Uh, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Would Oregon have been in if they had won the Pac-12 title game no matter what? Were they a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that okay. was what? Number number three versus number five? Yeah. So I, I just want to make sure. Like, so Oregon was a lock. So like they were the Pac-12 just kind of locked themselves in to the title game uh, to a CFP appearance before the Pac-12 title game, which was something I did not anticipate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also think part of it, Cam Rising and Utah were down. Like Utah getting hurt, their quarterback going down, ruined a lot of the Pac-12 just volatility because Utah wasn't at their full strength to ruin Washington, Oregon, and USC season. They weren't They weren't there to finish 10-2, and 11-1 and also make sure that and you know, no Pac-12 team made it into the CFP. That was you know a lot I of my calculus. What I bet a big part of your uh prediction was was that usc was that sexy pac-12 mm. team and it's like nailed not, that one by the way not buying usc mm-hmm. yeah it's like then it's like well i don't know if they're gonna have anybody that can be undefeated one loss and then we saw the washington huskies all right where are we going next matt green all right this next one uh man i also i still stand by this one because it was so close to being right um two loss sec the sec west champ would be a two loss team this year was essentially my prediction mm. the other half of that prediction was that it would be alabama lsu and AM would all end up with two losses this year but for alabama one of those would be a non-conference loss um so i did get that non-conference loss but alabama found a way to uh to um win the win the sec with just one loss and AM was obviously way wrong. Ole Miss was the uh, two loss team that that would that really got in there. So the fact that you kind of ran through it with Alabama, they did have so many uh, close games. Like they had, had definitely had losable games. Uh, it, if not for a miracle uh, in Jordan Hare at the end of the season, they would have been a two loss SEC West champ. But I'm, I'm going to give it a seven. It, it's a it's a passing grade, but uh, obviously, you know, I was incorrect on that one. But I'd do it again. I think that's a great. I mean, um, 10 is like it's a good pick, right? And one, it was just out of this world. Stupid. Yeah. I think that's a 10 for me. Because oh, I appreciate it, sir. The way the S like Bama was down. LSU still wasn't there. I didn't trust the defense. Still just eh, year three. I thought we'll see here with LSU and Brian Kelly and company. 
it was going to be hard for them to run it back. And then Texas A&M always stumbles a little bit. Like Jimbo Fisher was not going to go perfect yeah. or a one loss team. Like you could just see it. Like I think that's a that was before this year. You could absolutely see the uh, an old Miss too. Um, someone who like if they get ten wins again, like they're still looking at somewhere like ten and two, somewhere in that range. So I think you're right in that the top of the West was very jumbled, and there was not a lot separating uh, the best of the best. There was not a lot of separation uh, at the top, and Bama was closer to the rest of the pack than they've ever been. For sure. And this uh, this next one, I would say, is our only prediction that's not definitively wrong. But uh, so this is your prediction. Your prediction being Colorado is very bad. I nailed and I'm this. I'm not sure what to ask. I don't know if you can if I can say you nailed it. They they made plays, you know, like they they made a name for themselves. They had a couple of big wins, but at four and eight. I gotta, I I gotta say you're very bad. I guess right. So I'll, I'll they were not a good a, football team. I'll give you a nine because it's okay. not a perfect. Uh, because I feel like they they created some buzz, which is half. They the were hundred and twenty fourth in defense this year, Matt Green. They fired their offensive coordinator midseason, Sean Kelly, who was actually good at his job, and they went to Pat Shermer. Like it was a disaster this year. Colorado football was a disaster. I mean, it was fun early like on, like you said. What, like the 30-point lead or something against Stanford. Like that's, It was rough. There was... They also they didn't they didn't get blown out in very many games. Like that Oregon game, once they got they blown out... Back, they like, got down in big holes and they came back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They were not a good football team. So I'll, I that was definitely... That was the most correct of any of our bold predictions here. Uh, so I'll give you a nine with that one. Yeah, I mean, you get you lost to Washington State 56-14, man. Down the stretch like it it look. They they lose. Okay, how many did they lose in a row to end the year? 1 2 3 4 5 6 6 straight. Yeah, and like they they got to play TCU when they were ranked also, mm-hmm. so like people thought that it that looked was a, a lot better. Thing. Nebraska looked a lot better and we found out both were like, "Oh, no." No. Yeah, no, that's uh, and let me be clear still like Dion, still like Chador a lot, still like Travis Hunter a lot. But my bet was like, you're replacing a lot of these kids with G5 kids, with Juco kids, with Jackson State kids, and it's just you're in a power five conference and the Pac 12 was loaded. I didn't trust the depth on this team, the offensive line was horrific, and Shador was just getting his brains beat in week over week and Travis Hunter got hurt. It was just, it was all a mess. And it's just, I don't, it's just weird to me that we're not seeing more of an emphasis on high school from in year two here from Dion. Like they're, they didn't have many high school commits in this cycle either. You obviously get a big five-star kid in uh, Jordan Seton. That's a big get. And, but you've had big gets already. Like Travis Hunter is a big get. Cormani McLean is a big get, but he didn't help at all last year. Um, you need other bodies. Like <laughs> it's almost better if you're Colorado is to not get those five stars and get like three, four stars. Like that would actually help you more because it's just not basketball. You can't just have a couple five stars and then a bunch of two and three stars and then expect to really compete at a, an elite level. So I just, I don't really know what the plan is in Colorado. Uh, and I just, I'm very confused by why they're not investing I mean- more. In that, the plan just, is to accumulate the talent that you can get. And it's like, you just have to do it by any means. And, and maybe, you know, kind of 
unorthodox means because you're Colorado and you just kind of have to find a way to to get the talent there. But lock down your borders. Like Tennessee went in and took your best tackle. Why is Gage Ganther of all and not a Buffalo? I, yeah. I mean, are you worried about the talent in Colorado? Like how much talent's coming out? You, gotta, you, like, recruit you should states. be winning. You need to lock those gimmies down. Is what I'm saying. Like you need to yeah. have the best players in the state of Colorado playing for Colorado. Like why is the best offensive tackle prospect in your state at Tennessee? How does that happen? Yeah. I just, no, I, that's, that's fair. All right. Where are we going our, next? Our last, both of our last bowl predictions were actually both about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, your prediction being that they would be in the CFP race in November. <laughs> My prediction being that they averaged 25 points per game. They did not average 25 <laughs> points per game. They averaged 15.4 points per game, which was 132nd out of 133 teams. And somehow they went 10 and 4. But you were still not. I, that that laugh or noise you made over there sounded what? like you thought you were correct, that they were Hold in the on. CFP race Hold in on. November. Hold on. Just to be clear, folks, Matt Green's just laughing off the Hawkeyes once again. Here's the problem with this take, Matt Green. You remove, they lose to Penn State. That was embarrassing. 31 nothing, right? Yeah. They won every other regular season game before getting shut out. They, they actually got shut out the last two uh, games of their college ball season against Tennessee and Michigan, but they beat Minnesota. I don't know if people remember this or not, but there was a uh, crazy punt call, special teams call that cost them the game. Like, Iowa won that game if that call does not happen. And then you're looking at an 11 and one Iowa team in the big 10 title game. And if they beat Michigan, which obviously they got pounded, but they would have controlled their own destiny in December and been in the college ball playoff. If they beat Michigan, if that Minnesota call does not go the other way, the way we talk about Iowa is insane. I'm like, they were a bad call away from controlling their own college football playoff destiny in December. I stand by that take. That was so a great take all, by me. So great do, take. Do close, do close games or close wins only apply to Alabama? Like no, so I'm, Alabama, Iowa, close man. Ball, I, I was Alabama all I year, was like three points I away. An Iowa ass team all year. I was probably three points away from losing like five or six more games last year. Like, no, they're, man, they're right Iowa's there. defense—they put the clamps on you, man. 2014, 15, 6. 41 10, 2013. Well, they were unranked going into November. By November 24th, they were ranked 20th. Um, mm. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to say that was incorrect. They were a good team. Somehow they were the worst good team probably <laughs> in the history of college football. Um, but yeah, that Nebraska Friday night or Friday after Thanksgiving game, like one of the more fun <laughs> games of the college football season, honestly. 13-10, that game was uh, was great. But yeah, I'd say I'd say, 25 points per game. Would that be in the prediction they were at 15? I mean, my prediction's got to be about a, a one. Uh, somehow they were even worse on offense than we, than we predicted. Cade McNamara, <laughs> just watch. Just watch what we're about to do on offense. Well, he's back next year. But also, look. Hey, um, why is this job not being, getting filled? Like Paul Christ uh, reportedly turned it down. Like he's staying as like an analyst or whatever at Texas. It's like all Iowa needs is an average offensive mind. Like you come in there. It's not like they don't produce talent. They produce NFL wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, offensive tackles. Wide receiver. I know they produce tight ends. I don't know about wide receivers. I threw in uh, the wide receivers. 
They've had one linemen and tight ends. They, I don't know they're how they're producing first round white cornerbacks, Matt Green. Like something <laughs> like they're just out here doing all kinds of stuff. Um, I don't know. I just don't understand why that job is just like maybe just because you know that Brian Ferentz is going to or Kirk Ferentz is going to have his DNA all over your offense. But like, man, if Iowa can just get a D like Paul Chris would have been perfect based on what we saw from Wisconsin and what they did. Like that would have been solid. They That would have been great for them. I don't understand it. I don't know why that job is hard to fill. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, who knows? They, they get, haven't get played Bill O'Brien over there. Let's get Bill O'Brien in Iowa. We haven't seen good offense since what, like Drew Tate, since Brian Banks back no, in the day. Oh, they've been better like, since. Like, hold on, hold on. Ricky Stanzi had some good years. I don't know. It's been a while since we saw Iowa play any any good offense. Goodson and company. Who was the Albert Young? Is that his right name? The big back. I don't remember. I remember Sean Green was like a Sean Green uh, is who. Yes, Sean he Green. He was one of my Doke Walker finalist. I want to say. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for the bold predictions. What what was your uh, what was your best prediction of the of the of the preseason? Out of all those, I or just maybe it didn't make the list, but just like your best prediction of the college football season. Hmm, the Georgia wouldn't repeat. That was the common one that a lot of people were just talking. They're like, I just don't see how Georgia doesn't repeat, and I was like. Georgia's not three-peating. Like, just keep selling. You're just burning money. Like, it's just too hard in this world of college football to be able to do that. I just thought it was just throwing money away. Um, Colorado being bad. I felt really good about that one uh, before the year that that was going to end up being the case. Um, probably Brock. I I don't know. The A&M one hurts because I just... Uh, the what if of if they were all healthy and they kept it all together. I don't know. A lot of talent out the door. Evan Stewart, Oregon now. Oregon's gonna be gonna be scary. Um, I don't know. That's tough. I guess my Iowa. You know what? I'm gonna stand on my Iowa Hawkeyes. Like that's my favorite one. Where I'm like, I got a lot of grief because I'm over here saying they that were they're not gonna... in the CFP race. They were. They were. If this happened, they're in the CFP race. Hey, if if we're fifth, we'd all be drunk. No, I um, look. Iowa my, deserves my... credit, man. I would say my best prediction was uh, Texas uh, beating Alabama and just being yeah. actually legit this year. Um, but my worst predictions, like I said, I part of me still stands on my Penn State prediction. You know, I'm not the mm. person who picks them every year, um, so I don't um, I don't feel like scarred by Penn State. But my worst prediction is definitely Clemson. Like I thought um, Garrett Riley was going to come in and fix that offense and. You know, the talent that Clemson had, they're going to get back to, you know, being where they're supposed to be in the ACC. And now I feel like I don't know if Clemson will ever be back to to what they used to be. So Clemson, I went from thinking there it was a, a blip year or two uh, to, you know, they, 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 that dynasty might be over forever. I don't know. It's so stupid. I'm talking myself close. back into him next year where I'm like, I don't know, man. Clemson. Buy some clips and stock because Florida State's down. The ACC's open next year, and uh, we'll see no, how true. it all unfolds. But um, I don't know. I, I can't quit. I can't quit Clemson yet. It's so stupid, Matt Green. I just can't do it. Year two with Garrett Riley in this system. Yeah, for mm. sure. Uh, what's your worst prediction of the season? Oh, and M. Yeah, no question. And then um, uh, most surprising team of the season for you. Hmm. 
most surprising probably hmm there's only one answer here to me but uh what do you what are you what are you saying you know what i would say missouri yeah for sure i think missouri being as good and legitimately like you could make the case missouri was the second best or third best second best something like that because we never saw missouri alabama i would have been curious to see we know how they're not the second best though they're... i i don't know missouri would have played bama well like i yeah the missouri team that we saw this past year would have played bama very well i think missouri being That's legitimately fair. really good and a legitimate top 10 team was the biggest surprise i think ohio state struggling as much as they did offensively all year long was the other big one i didn't think ohio state with this much talent and company and kyle mccord would be that bad and that offense would just be that anemic in big games kind of surprised me even with brian day and yeah, company that's a, yeah that's a good call because i mean i we weren't super high on ohio state but we've never mm. seen them look like just every other big 10 team just mm. playing really solid defense and just kind of average offense so yeah ohio state being as pedestrian as they were i would say missouri just actually being a legit top 10 team but also the team i hate on and definitely hated on mid-season the old miss rebels that I mean, was a they surprise turned out for me to though. Be pretty legit, like yeah. eleven and two on the season. Like uh, I did not see that coming from Ole Miss at all. That's fair. Also, Louisville making the ACC title game as a in year one for Brom, I think was a big stunner. Uh, he's ahead of schedule, especially with Jack Plummer as your uh, QB. He's bounced around multiple times and make it do. I think uh, I think that was a sneaky big one for them. Is Louisville just being really good right away for Jeff Brom? That guy can coach. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Yeah, in Washington, definitely being in the national cha- championship game is obviously uh, uh, a surprising one. Even if they had top ten love coming into the season, they uh, no, I don't think anyone saw that coming. No. All right, Matt Green. Well, that's all I've got, sir. Uh, that was a fun exercise. Uh, I enjoyed that G- going back down memory lane of what we did uh, this preseason and. Uh, but before you know it, we'll be doing our 2024 preseason picks and a totally different college football landscape where all SEC games are on ESPN and ABC and we got yeah. Texas and Oklahoma gotta, in here. Got to be transparent with the listeners. You know, maybe yeah. maybe they heard all that and they're like, well, I'm definitely not listening to these guys. <laughs> Bold predictions next season. But you know what? Yeah, that's that's your prerogative. You can do that. That might be a good call. Don't We didn't say to put money on these. Well, you can but, also uh, go against I, us. There you go. So it's it's worth something. You, yeah, you, you can listen to it and be like, all right, that's what, what I'm is. not going to do next year. Um, whatever they say. So, Matt Green, thank you as I'm always, like my friend. I'm not taking AM next year. I am not taking AM <laughs> next year. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Probably so, Texas. So, Aggies fans, that's your, uh, who knows? It could be a good thing. Probably Texas. I'm probably picking Texas, but we'll see. We have time. I think Texas and Georgia are the best teams in the SEC next year, but we Ooh. shall see. Matt Green, thank you as always, my friend, and I will talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Yuffie X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? 
Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.